Brent Baldwin is coming up this morning. I'm super excited wherever he is. There he is. Hi, Bert. Um, Brent is preaching this morning, and uh, let's, let's, I don't know, let's pray for you real fast. Yeah, please. Pray Um, for them. Dear Lord, I just thank you for uh, Rock Bible Church. I thank you for pastors and um, people and community and what that means. We pray for Brent as he gets up this morning that you just uh, give him some awesome, awesome words to share with us and just have your spirit fill this room and just thank you for what he's about to take on and, and do for our church. We love you and you do. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Megan. Hey, Scott's not here. We're very sad about it. Which we're very sad. Wait, happy Sunday. I got confused. He's watching. I'm a little confused on what I'm supposed to say. But hey, uh, so we got, uh, we're, we're continuing through First Timothy. Uh, I think Mark, are you coming forward with some Bibles outlines? You got those? If you need anything, wave them down. They got those pens. Anything you need, please ask for it. Uh, we're going to continue on. It's been, it's, it's been a week. It's been uh, two weeks. It's been a month. It's been a year. <laughs> And um, I'm just happy every Sunday we have this. I could just say from like a pastor, just like as a person, it's just, it's good to have this weekly reset. I need this, you know, and I I hope that this is that for you. So I'm I'm just happy to be here. Um, We'll talk, yeah, we'll talk later, but hey, uh, yeah, open up your Bibles, 1 Timothy 4, Uh, it's on the screen. Uh, you can use your phone, feel free to, but uh, we're going to get started on, on, on verse 1, right? It says, now the Spirit, exp- oh, i got to give you a little recap, because you don't know, people forgot, we didn't do the thing. Last week, Scott talked about leaders. Do you remember this? He talked about leaders and deacons, and he, he had the qualification of the, the people, okay, you remember, right? And he ended it off, and Scott had the insane opinion that, hey, maybe we should all follow these things, right? Maybe just because we're not a deacon doesn't mean we, we could sleep around. And maybe just because we're not a deacon doesn't mean that we can't all, you know, just drink alcohol, be, time, be all alcoholics. And maybe this is a good list that we should all live by, right? And, and this isn't just for deacons and elders of the church. This is just leaders in general. And, and we're all, in very special ways, unique ways, we're all leaders, right? I mean, amen? That's, that's a great thing. You are in leadership somewhere Somehow, you are in leadership, and, and that should give you a little nervous, right? Make you a little tiny nervous, but it should empower you. You should feel strong. You should feel confident. You should be uh, on a mission given by God, right? So, so he's, he's telling us these things, and then come in with that mentality towards chapter 4. It says, so now the Spirit expressedly says that in later, th- later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to, defe- uh, to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Uh, I read that, and I was like, whoa, this just got so serious so fast, and it's 9 a.m., and I can't handle it, right? That is a real statement. I read that, and it kind of shook me up a little bit. I read this, like, I don't know, week two ago, and, and I was sitting there, and it kind of caused me to question my own beliefs in, 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 in some ways, right? I come at things, just in life in general, that, that we should ex- accept our own responsibility. If I mess up, it's my fault, right? I mean, we built a men's ministry upon pillars, and one of those is accept 
responsibility. That just makes sense. And that's how the Bible speaks about it 99% of the time, right? James is classically devoted to this thought that, that when we have things that are going wrong in my life, I got to look at my life, right? Why am I fighting? And this is hypothetical because I'm in a perfect marriage. Like, actually, this is hypothetical. I don't know why. If I'm fighting with my wife, like, what's going on? It's my fault. I got to figure it out. If I'm fighting with my boss, whose fault? Mine. I got to figure it out, right? But this presents a very different picture that there's something else going on here, that there's demons, Satan, right? Ooh, I said it, right? Uh, right, I, I kind of approach life with this thought that like, because Satan, this is a fact, right? Satan's not everywhere at all time. He exists, but he's not all over. He doesn't care about Brent Baldwin, who lives in Tracy. Like, he, he's got bigger fish to fry. He's, he, he's hanging out with the Pope or something, you know, he's doing other things. Right? And I'm sitting here, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of how I approach life. But in this, it says, hey, there's other stuff going on. And that kind of gives me a perspective on life. Right? When I mess up, it's my fault. When someone else messes up, there's a war going on. And how fitting to, for all the stuff the church has been through over the past months, right? Just in general, how much our church has been through in the past couple weeks. How fitting is this thought? What kind of perspective do you have when you approach life and say, this person is in a battle they don't know about? Because we don't talk about this a whole lot, folks, but there's this thing called spiritual warfare, and it's going on. And there's a battle, and there's a war, and people don't know they're fighting in it, right? Physical wars, you know, right? Like, you know, bullets, all this stuff, you know. But something with way higher stakes is way more subtle. You die in war? Life's over? Start eternal life. Say hi to Jesus for me. You lose this war? You lose this battle? Way higher stakes. It's scary. And when you approach life with that mentality that, hey, the, the person who came on a church park, a parking lot property destroyed stuff, broke into stuff, stole stuff, left things to get destroyed, is in a battle that they don't know about. That is a way different perspective than what Brent dealt with when Scott called him that morning saying that those things. right? <laughs> when Brent heard... Right, some guy came on and, and he cut bungees and he cut cords and he stole this, stole that, broke into and, and hours later we find out they they broke into a shed. We stole all the, they stole a bunch of stuff. Brent heard that and Brent did not go to this verse. Brent did not go to oh hey this is spirit warfare and I should pray. Thanks Scott for just preaching about how we should pray for our enemies. That was great and how we should love them. Thanks Scott. That was I didn't go there. Went to a very bad place very quickly. And that's the perspective that that's talking about, right? Let's continue. Verse 2. Uh, how does that happen, right? How, and, and let's back up a second, right? This, this doesn't give omission. This doesn't give permission, right? It starts with by devoting themselves. They, they took responsibility here, 
right? This isn't like, oh, they get out of scot-free, all that good stuff, right? Uh, So how does that happen, verse 2? Through the insincerity of liars whose consciousness are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Um. I would love for everyone to go to seminary. Honestly, it's, it's a great experience. You don't have to be a pastor. A lot of seminary, you do have to have like a bachelor's degree, but it could be in like anything. Take a few classes. It's wonderful. Um, period. But, <laughs> right, you meet amazing people. You really do. And, and people in drastically different backgrounds in different worldviews, in different mindsets currently. And because of that, you meet a lot of people who just come at Christianity, who come to seminary with a different lifestyle, with a different view, right? Um, I went to um, my undergrad. It was in a different country. It was in Southern California. And in Southern California, people are just different there, right? Like, it's a different world. They act differently. And then I was at a Christian college, which is like a different world, different act, act differently. And uh, they, they, they just approach life differently there as well. And, and at both seminary and my undergrad, uh, I met a lot of people not not a small group, a lot of people, a, a, a hunk percentage of people who, who said Christianity has, has wavered. We got away from, from the, the lifestyle of saying no, right? We need to avoid alcohol. We need to avoid pork. We need to avoid all these things. If we're avoiding pork, people, our men's ministries aren't doing good, right? Uh, so, um, and, and they have that men's mentality that, and, and they had biblical backing up they said hey meat wasn't a thing eating meat wasn't a thing until sin happened and i'm sitting there yeah but you have a have you have you ever had a burger like have have you ever had a steak like it's great right and they're like yeah all these things and like christ's body is bread it's it's not this like weird fish he could have said all these things it's 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 bread right and i'm sitting there yeah but like a t-bone steak you know and 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 they're presenting all these things and and at root the problem is this that they keep saying no to things for everybody right should some people avoid meat Sure. Should some people avoid alcohol? Absolutely. Right? I, I know a good bit of people who should just avoid alcohol. Not good. Right? Not good. The problem is when you say no one should have meat. No one should have alcohol. Right? And, and um, it kind of runs into life. Right? This, this moves beyond this just general like eating, drinking kind of stuff. This, no one should do that. No one should do this. And when you paint that picture, it's hard because our God is a redeemer. Our God has taken things he created that got messed up and said, this is good again. This is great again. And that's me and hopefully that's you. Right? That's the story of Rock Bible. We're messed up, we know it, and we're getting fixed. We're not fixing ourselves, we're getting fixed. Very different, right? I've been doing student ministry, I've been doing children's ministry a long time, right? I'm 32, I've been doing student ministry for 20 years, 22 years, 
children's ministry for 22 years. I've done children, student ministry for like 18 to 20 years, depending on who it is. Yeah, that, that math's a little wonky, and it should be a little wonky, right? I, I was leading studies. I was leading high schoolers when I was in junior high. I was leading, I was leading the youth group at that time. And something happens. You talk to a lot of parents, Right? You have this idea that when you're in children's ministry or student ministry, you just handle with kids and with students. True 95% of the time. Other 5% of the time you're dealing with parents. I've had a lot of good conversations where I go to camps and they say, my kid is different. A week later, very soon after, they say, my kid is different. This isn't a, a slow transformation. This is a radical. They went to a weekend. They went to a week. They got back and by they got back on Friday night. And by Saturday, I'm sitting there. I'm like, my kid is different. And they're talking to me about what to do and how to how to you know deal with this kind of change and all this good stuff. And I've had conversations with parents, and they say, I have no idea what we're gonna do with our kid. Right, because we are broken and we're getting fixed, right? And, and, and we work together and all this stuff. And, and I've noticed a trend. Here's the trend. The difference between bad parents and good parents, got to learn how to say no. Right? There's a lot of parents today who are saying yes constantly. They, they have taken this role don't tune me out because it's really important. Hang with me. I know a lot of people are like, Ugh, right? Uh, so, so they've taken this role and they said, I don't want to be a parent. I want to be a friend. And, and that's not inherently wrong, but you still are their parent. They, God puts you in that situation for a reason, right? They didn't, they didn't give, you know, they're not part of a different family and you're going there and visiting and all that stuff. You are their parent for a reason, you have to say no, and for the same reason why you say no to like, oh, you can't eat cake for breakfast, and you can't just eat this for lunch and dinner, and you got to eat some veggies, right? You No, 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 and, and you can't just stay home from school because you had a hard test. You have to go and face it, right? You had a hard week, and you have to face it. You didn't study, and you have to face it. You have to, for that same reason... You got to say no to when your kids like not you know no to when your kids are like I don't want to go to youth group I don't want to go to summer camp I, no you got to go no you can't go to that party it's bad it's a bad party you're setting yourself up for failure you can't date that girl you can't date you definitely don't date that boy I don't even know what the situation don't date the boy right uh, right uh, just say no now here's the kicker here's where it all changes. You know the difference between a good parent and a great parent is? They learn to say yes. And it's hard. It's almost impossible. Your kids are in a fight. Your kids are exhausted. You need to learn, we need to learn that every time we say no, we are setting a priority. We're changing our kids' priorities every time we say no. What does it look like? Gets hard. Gets really hard. When you, when you tell your kid, no, you can't go to church because you're grounded, because you cheated on a test, you're setting a priority. When you say, you can't go to youth group because you have an essay, you're setting a priority. 
You say, no, you can't go to summer camp because I don't like little Jimmy's there. And little Jimmy's not a Christian boy. He's not a Christian boy. And you're setting a priority. That's what's the difference between a good and a great. It's saying, yes, let's figure it out. Yes, let's fight. Yes, let's do this. You've worked way too hard and way too long. You could sleep in a little bit. <laughs> right? And, and, and that's like life. Sometimes you just have to say no. You just have to say, I can't do alcohol. Sometimes you just have to say, no, I can't do whatever. And I have to do this thing. And, and that is life. You know what's hard? Let me say yes. Sparingly, you say yes. I'm at a wedding, and I, and I need to toast. <laughs> I, I, I'm at this thing, and I need to do this, and, and, and I need to learn how to say yes. That's when you get good to great. Verse 4, for, uh, for everything created by God is good. Like I said before, he created it good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word and prayer. This idea of love, this idea of redemption, right? That your story's not over because you messed up. You're broken, but your story has just started, right? God is a God of redemption. More times in the Bible... Uh, well, every time, if we're talking literally, right? God uses messed up people. God is using broken people to tell a unbroken story. He's saying, this is the gospel. This is great. And I'm telling it through a prostitute. This is the gospel. This is great. And I'm telling it through a person like Jonah who wants to see you die. This is the gospel, and this is great, and he's telling it through a person who lives in Pleasanton. A messed up individual who doesn't know right from left half the time, and he's telling that perfect story through you. Verse 6, uh, if you put these things before the brothers, you will, not, you will be good servant of Christ Jesus, br uh, being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrines that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Lot of silly myths out there. Train yourself for godliness. Verse 8, For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. I cannot tell you how many times I've talked to students who are in football, lacrosse, sport, insert sport, you know, or whatever, and, and I introduce the crazy idea that they could use that for Christ. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's insane how many kids, they just don't put it together, right? Nothing on them. They're just like, oh, like I can talk to my friends about church and about Christ in water polo and, or in football. And, and maybe I could pray before the game. 
do this crazy thing where, like, I can just pray for God's safety and we have a great time and do all those things, right, right before the game, and I could set up an example. Isn't it crazy that kids do that? And then sometimes we talk about work, but that's totally different. Let's keep moving, right? Uh, that's, uh, no, 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 right? Uh, the, uh, verse 9, uh, yeah, verse 9. Um, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, for it is this end we toil in strife, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the f- Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Uh, something great happened. Uh, it was wonderful. Turned 18, got a car, didn't decide to ever run again, because running is bad. Proverbs 28.1, right? Uh, so it's just, it's just like not a good thing. I got a car, I'm growing up, I'm not going to race, but, but every once in a while... <sighs> You know, there's a race going on, and and um, and uh, got to tell you a story. So um, we did a turkey trot, 2010. Let's just say 2010, right? Uh, it's been a while, and we did a turkey trot. My my side of the family, and um, we we all went, and uh, it's it's just way too early, and it's way too cold, and stuff like that. And how it works is basically there's this one race, and uh, what happens is uh, we're all racing, and, and you could choose at the beginning, do you want to do the short race or the long race? And my brother-in-law, who's, he, he did like CrossFit at the time and all the good stuff, and he told us, and, uh, and like he, he was doing all that stuff. He's like, I'm going to do the long race. And all of us were like, nope, right? So we were all doing the short race, and all of our goals was to finish our short race before he finished the long race, which was like twice as long, right? So we're running, we're running, and... Um, and I'm, I'm like exhausted, right? Like I, I must have been running like, it was either like 20 miles or 20 steps. I can't tell because it was like just terror, right? And we're running and it's up in the altitude and it's cold, like I say. So I'm just hawking up like a lung and all this. It's bad, right? It's real bad. And, and I'm running and it's going through curves and, and I <laughs> constantly just like, let's just stop, right? What's the point? Can we just get to the deep fried turkey, right? And we're running, 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 and this beautiful thing happened where I get to the halfway point, which is there's no, like, loop. You know, you get to it, and you start running back. So I get there, and there's no quitting now, right? Because you run there, and you got to run back. You got to get back, right? So I'm running, and I'm just like, how much does, like, a helicopter cost? You know, like, get me out of this. Like, do they have those snow dogs with the, like, you know, and, like, guide me back, put me on a sled? I don't know. And it's, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm literally dying, right? And, and this beautiful thing happened where you go up this hill, and you kind of, like, do a little bit of a turn, and you're, you're just going down. And at the end of the hill, a quarter of a mile, 10 miles, I don't know, right? Um, everyone's just hanging out. It's the end of the race. And they do that cool thing where like a bunch of people are lined up and you got to run through. That was the easiest quarter of a mile ever. Why? It's the end. It's right there, right? It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I see it. It's that, right? It's not the evil trainer who's like, let's do one more rep. And then it's like four more. It's just, it's right there. I see it. We're done. I could pass out right on the end of that, right? Glorious. Why do I tell you this story? That's what heaven is like. We're going through so much hard stuff. You deal with so many things. What's your finish line? What's at the end there? What do you see? That's what he's saying. We toil, we strive, we do all these things. 
Because our hope is set on the living God. It, beca- it, it doesn't make it easier, but in your mind you say, it's temporary. It's only a few more steps. I only got to cough up one more lung and then I'm there. I'm done. Right? And that's kind of the mentality we're having today. Right? You either are or you're not. You can look at this and say, Jesus is coming back eventually. Not in my life. I don't know. It's... Or you say, hey, he could come back tomorrow. Heaven is a step away. I got work to do. I can't take a sick day. Take a sick day. But like, I can't do that. I can't rely. I got to do work. I'm not, everything's okay. This, this burden is light because I have a finished light, finished finish line in sight, right? Uh, verse 11, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth. This is the most important lesson you guys up there can learn, okay? Let no one despise you for your youth, but set a, the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. They would never say this, but the number one issue I deal with parents is, is that they despise youth, and they would never say it, ever. They say their kids can mess up. It doesn't matter. They could do this. They could do that. Because guess what? It doesn't matter. Their life hasn't started yet. They're so young. They could do this or that. They could go to that party. They could drink. They could do these. I don't care. They're a kid. Let them experiment. That's despising youth. Why? Because instead of that, they're supposed to be over here. They're supposed to be the example. Instead of lesser, they should be greater. We should be looking at youth and say, this is what purity, purity looks like. This is what like uh, pure speech looks like. When you become a Christian, it's amazing. Hang out with people who are, just became a Christian because they do crazy things. They talk about Christ with people and it's nuts. It's like, it's pure anarchy, right? Things that we learn not to do. Right? They, they, they pray for people who are outside of the church. They do all these things. They're excited to talk about Christ. They're unhinged. We should be learning from them. And not saying, oh, Jimmy, go date that girl because it doesn't matter. You're not married anyway. Yeah, they cheated, but who cares? You're in high school. Everyone cheats. You cheat on your test. Cheat on your homework. Do all these things. It doesn't matter. How do you cheat on your taxes? How do you cheat on your wife? How do you cheat on your business? How do you cheat on all these things? You wake up one day and say, ah, tax fraud. Eh. I don't know, big word, big adult word, right? <laughs> right? How do you do these things? You cheated on your test in high school. You said this isn't a big deal. I'm young. Who cares? Cheat on your wife, cheat on your girlfriend. Cheat on your, your husband, cheat on your boyfriend. You start there, lead somewhere scary. Say, this is not a big deal. They're only young. This is not a big deal. What's that setting them up for? What priority list are you setting up the, them up for the, for the rest of their lives? Right? Uh, verse 13, land in the plane, let's go. Until I come, devote yourself. So this mentality of he's coming back, until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of scripture, 
to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy uh, when, when the council of elders laid hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by, doing so, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Your religion is not your own. Your Christianity is not your own. What God is teaching you is not your own. The battles that you're facing in your life is not your own. That changes things. You know why there's groups, small groups, AA, all those different things? Why? This. Battle together. The second we realize that we're all not perfect, the second we realize that, like Scott said last week, that, that church is on all of us and not just Scott, it changes things. It does. When, when you walk by and you say, oh, like, there's a garden over there, and we walk by and you say, oh, there's some trash, and you walk by and say, oh, man, I really wish we, we had a, a, a small group that met on Thursdays, right? You walk by and you say, oh, somebody else's job. You approach church from a de- very different perspective than when you say, I want to start a group that meets on Thursdays. <laughs> I want to figure out what that looks like. Can we do this? Is, is, there any, is it just me? Is there anyone else who needs this? Do we, do we need to do a stinking garden thing that like is crazy cool? You approach church very differently. And, and if you take that from outside of just church to your life, you approach life very differently. If, if you have an issue, if you have a problem and you say, this is mine, you're going to approach small groups very differently. You're going to, rep- uh, you're going to approach relationships very differently. Because I can't share this. People won't understand. People won't like me. Whatever lie you're telling yourself. People can't learn from me. It, it changes everything. So I got three steps for you guys. Uh, As the title says, it's lasting faith and wavering because I think at the end of the day, that's what this this chapter was talking about. It's talking about how do you have a a faith that is strong? How do you have a faith that will keep going? Remember, that's how it's presented, right? In very first one, it says some will depart from the faith. So so just because you're here on Sunday doesn't mean you're going to be here next Sunday, symbolically. You know what I'm saying, right? Uh, and it's this idea that, that, that we want to have that lasting faith. So there's three things that we have to guard. The first is guard your faith. Guard your faith. Um, what does that not say? Doesn't say guard the faith. Make sense? Very different. Some people are living like it's the Crusades. <laughs> Some people are living where they have to stand up for God and they, they need to defend everything and, and you, you can't talk bad about that. You can't say these things, right? It's not saying that, it's saying guard your faith. And that is a very different statement. See, the world 
everywhere else, all the thing outside there, they are used to dealing with very weak faiths. When you base your faith off of nothing, off of little, off of limited things, finite things, you have a weak faith. That was Christianity for a long time. A very long portion of time, that was Christianity. They said, our hope is in single person. Our hope is in single individual. Our hope is in pastor. And when that happens, your faith is weak, and you need to defend weak faith. At the end of the day, I'm sitting there last week, shaking. I'm online, shaking. 610, Brent came out. And I'm shaking. I'm furious. I needed to defend. You know what I realized? Scott's older brother, right? I'm the guy who comes in and says, hey, happy Sunday. Scott's not here, right? And I'm going to tease him. I'm going to joke. I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm brutal. This doesn't stop people, right? It does not stop, right? Older brother. Somebody outside the family starts messing. Come again? Come, right? Like, that's, that's the thought. That's weak. I don't need to. Even I can put my hope in Scott. I don't need to. At the end of the day, my hope is not in Scott. I trust Scott. My hope is in Jesus Christ. I don't need to fight for Jesus. He is stronger than me. He will win every single battle. You know what I need to fight for? My mustard seed faith. When someone comes after me and I get defensive, that's what I have to fight for. I need to say, Brent, it doesn't matter. I need to say, faith, your faith is weak. The situation is under control. When things get bad, when things get worse, that's where it comes from. Your faith. Defend it. Scott said something, and, and um, if you weren't here, it's going to be a little shocking, because I took it as a little shocking. He said, we are two weeks away from closing. Rock Bible Church is two weeks away from closing. And I sat there, and I'm like, uh, what is that? <laughs> Announcement? <laughs> what does that mean, right? What he's saying is any given church is two weeks away from closing. Something happens, world changes. So we, we saw it this week in, in the whole song thing, right? Uh, something happens, changes. I don't file a piece of paper, changes. It's a little scary, <laughs> right? Two weeks away. I'm going to add on. And by the way, when Scott said that, Grace looked at me and she's like, oh, so you're preaching next week. I was like, so, uh, so she, she said like two weeks away from that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something. I am one week away from losing my faith. That changes things. You know what happened in a week? Remember like Good Friday thing? You remember like the Paul? Something happened in like five days. 
If I am sitting here and I, and I just spoke about how great Sunday morning is and I'm sitting here and if this is all I have, if Sunday morning is all I have, I'm not making it to next Sunday, folks. I can't. It's, it's too hard. I, li- I, I, I preach and I'm going to be 2 o'clock. I'm like, I don't know. I forget what Scott talked about this morning, right? I just get to totally forget about it. And I'm going to sit there and, and, and Monday's going to happen and Tuesday's going to happen and Wednesday's going to happen and it's done. I'll be shocked if I make it to Thursday. So much stuff is attacking you. Guard it. Guard your faith. Guard your hope. And I kind of talked about this, and I asked this earlier. You might want to write it down, but what's your finish line? Verse 8 says, Godliness is of some value in every way, as it holds promise for uh, for the present life and also for the life to come. Is your hope this life? Is this the finish line? You need to like treat your body well, because that's how this verse started off, right? It's of some value. You need to do this. But is that, at the end of the day, your hope? How do you approach work when that is your hope? How do you approach life? How do you approach marriage? How do you uh, approach happiness? If your hope at the end of the day is this life, far different than if you say, yeah, this 80, 90, 100 years, whatever, you know, it's, it's some, some importance. We got work to do. But 80 years to in light of eternity is nothing. So when I approach people on the street where their hope is this life, our conversation, our our perspective, our worldview is going to be way different than when I approach a situation, a a comment board, whatever, when I'm saying my hope is not here. It's over there. Guard your faith. Guard your hope. Guard your heart. And this is coming from from verse twelve, right? The 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 lesson from lesson from kids, right? Well, what do we what should we learn about kids and all that stuff? And, and let no one despise you for your youth, but set a believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Is that less complete? What's being implied there? Everything, right? Guard your heart. My life verse, guard your heart above all else because it is the wellspring of your life. Right? Everything you deal with comes from your heart. If your heart is ugly, you're going to work ugly. If your heart is selfish, you're going to marriage selfishly. If, if your heart is cold and distant, you're going to relationship with cold and distance. You get what I'm saying? That starts from your heart. And if you're not guarding it, your life is going to be drastically different. Now, here's the thing about guarding. And here's the thing I tell kids all the time, right? Is that guarding your heart does not mean do not give it to anyone. Right? Guarding your heart does not mean that you cannot give it, open it up to anybody. Guarding your heart is giving it to the right people. Remember, it's not about no, 
It's about yes. It's saying, who am I going to marry? Who am I going to date? Who am I going to friend? And when you start there, if you start small, you start at that, those little things, those little guardings of heart, it transfers people. I, uh, this isn't a negative sermon. It's, it's not about if you cheat on taxes, well, where did that start out, right? It works the same way. How do you guard your heart in marriage? How do you guard your heart at work? How do you guard your heart in life in general? Well, you started being an example when you were a kid. Now, I'm not a kid, and most of you aren't either. <laughs> not you. you. You very young, 18, 16, uh, <laughs> right? That's the great part about Christianity. We talk about this thing called rebirth in Christianity. It's not about actual rebirth. It's not about changing your age. It's not about any of that stuff. It's saying, today, I'm a new creation. At 20, when I gave my life to Christ, new creation. At 40, when my friend told me about Christ, when I met my Christian husband, wife, whatever, at 60, at 80, at 90, I am a new creation, a fresh start, a child. And from today on out, I'm going to be an example. My faith, my love, my purity, and my life. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. I pray that we are an example. I, pr I pray that you have, uh, thank you that you have given us examples, and I pray that we continue to be an example. I pray that we guard our faith, that we guard our hope, that we guard our heart. Pray for this uh, time of offering, that there's any guests here that they don't, don't feel obligated to give, but simply acknowledge what we do as a church family, God. We love you. We need you. Amen.